Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast with me, your host, Danny Kennedy, and you're listening to episode number 17. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast, guys, and we are extremely lucky today to be joined by Mike Samuels, the owner of Healthy Living and Heavy Lifting. Mike, welcome to the show, mate. Hey, Danny. Thanks for having me. Mike, would you like to quickly tell the listeners a bit about yourself, um, what you do, and I guess your story so far? Yeah, sure. Well, I suppose I started out in the fitness industry probably 10 years ago. So I used to work part-time in a gym, probably the same as a lot of people did. Then got qualified as a personal trainer, worked in a gym for a bit, which was cool, but kind of outgrew that in a sense and wanted to go out and do my own thing. So started doing personal training mobile in the local area and working just myself, which was really, really cool. Um, Loved doing it, but again, got to the stage where I was just maxed out in terms of client capacity, couldn't do any more, felt that you know I started to lose my love of fitness really, I was just too busy, I was burnt out all the time doing 4.30 starts and finishing at 9, 10 o'clock at night. So then I got into online coaching, just kind of stumbled into it in a way, but started doing more of that. And then through online coaching, I started my blog, began writing And that's kind of what I do now, really. So I mainly write. That's my kind of main source of income, how I spend most of my time. Um, But I also do some online coaching still. And I still have just a couple of one-on-one clients that I train. But yeah, that's pretty much me. Awesome. And that pretty much leads us into the first question I was going to ask. So you briefly touched on it then. But how did you kind of weave your way into online coaching and what has been the thing that's helped you grow your online business the most? So, uh, for example, email marketing or uh, blog writing, as you mentioned, or Facebook, or what's been the thing that's helped you grow your online business the most? Well, I think in terms of getting into online coaching, it was almost, I suppose I sort of stumbled upon it in a way. There was probably about four years ago, I think, and a couple of people were talking about coaching online. Um, I just hired Lane Norton as my own coach because I wanted someone to help me. So obviously he was doing it. And at the time, it seems like decades ago now, but four years ago, it just wasn't really known as a as a thing to do to yeah. coach people online. But you know, I saw him doing it. I realized that I'm paying money for this. He's got people paying money for it. Everyone's getting results and <clears throat> you can handle a lot more clients. So I started doing that. And my first thing I think was I just put a post on Facebook saying, look, I'm going to, play around with this online coaching that people seem to be talking about. Does anyone want to give it a go for free for 12 weeks and expected, you know, five or six replies? I think I had about 60 people ask. And at that time, the only people on my Facebook were a few personal trainer friends some people I knew from exercise forums, people I knew in the real world as well. Yeah, right. So I was pretty overwhelmed really with the response and gave it a go. You know, I thought that 12 weeks of doing it for free would give me a chance to see if I liked doing it, if it could get results and to kind of develop some systems without going in for it paid and, you know, potentially screwing up along the way. Yeah, sure. So that was pretty cool. And it was going quite well. And then I had, I suppose it was a bit of a catalyst where it really was a bit of luck. Um, had a blog that was called how paleo made me fat, ice cream and subway got me lean. And Lane actually shared it and things just went mad and I got loads and loads of requests from people saying, do you do online coaching? So I pretty much thought, well, I've 
I've got to make this into a thing now. So started doing online coaching, I suppose, as a as a job really, alongside doing one on one PT. And then over the, I suppose, probably course of a year and a half, two years, gradually cut down the one on one stuff, put up the online world, um, and so started you know, doing quite well with that. And then while I was doing online coaching as well, I thought, well, I'm keeping a blog. I'll look at ways I can maybe make money from writing. So I'd write for other people. Yep. I would you know, submit articles to sites that would pay for it or that you get good exposure on. And then gradually it just built up like that, really. And it's been, I suppose, pretty organic. And there's not really been any one thing apart from that initial yeah, bulk of online client inquiries from the article going pretty crazy that was the... Yeah. I suppose the key to it will start him. Um, That's unreal. I suppose, yeah, and I think to answer the question about what's been the thing that's, I suppose, made it a success, I'd say for me in terms of, I suppose, actual systems, I'm a big fan of both Facebook and email. And in terms of Facebook, that's not like you know doing ads or anything like that. Yeah. But it's more a case of, interacting with people networking getting involved in groups answering questions having an active page and personal profile as well and then for email it's been building a list and just emailing people stuff that is going to help them tells your story and i think that's the big thing if people feel like they know you and you've got a strong consistent message and people know your story then it doesn't really matter what medium you use whether it's facebook whether it's email whether it's you know I don't know, driving traffic to a blog, whether you do videos and record it on your YouTube, it's, that's not the, not the key thing for me. It's actually just being yourself and wanting to help people being the main thing, really. And sharing your story. I've seen a number of your posts lately where you've mentioned it a number of times about sharing your story. You've obviously found that relatively effective. Oh, massively. I think, yeah, for the kind of people that most of us are going to look to target doing online coaching it's the kind of person who doesn't have fitness as like their an absolute passion it's certainly not their job and it's not the way they make a living so guys like you and I are probably quite happy to sit there and read quite an in-depth article about you know fat loss or certain aspects of nutrition or strength training cycles periodization whatever yeah but the general public doesn't really care about that they want to get results they want them fast and they want them sustainably while they can still live a normal life so the more i suppose the more interest you can make health and fitness the better and obviously people love stories you, know, you look at how many movies people go and watch and the fact that fiction books still sell phenomenally well um again if you can make something into like a story then it just makes it far more accessible and far more interesting really i think there's no excuse to be boring in fitness yes for sure and this this wasn't something that I was originally going to ask, but when you first started with your blog, um, and I guess once Lane shared shared that first kind of post, did you spend most of your time writing blogs for other pages or for your own page, or did you just try and create a bit of a balance between between the two? I think it's been a mixture. Um, at around that time, possibly slightly before that, actually, I was writing as uh, I, I was a paid staff member at Livestrong.com. Okay, so I had some income coming from writing and I was named in the articles for that but obviously they didn't have a huge reach I think Livestrong were just using them to kind of build up their SEO and backlinks and whatever so yeah. had some paid writing from that so that probably was like a third of my writing time a third of it would have been in blogging for my own site for healthy living heavy lifting and doing all the social media stuff that goes along with that 
And the other third was probably looking at guest blogs. So I submitted a lot to places like Elite FTS, like the Personal Training Development Center for other coaches and just trying to get like a bigger exposure, I suppose, and reaching new people, yeah. trying to get new audiences. So yeah, it was pretty much a mix really. Awesome. Now, you're hands down one of the best writers that I've come across in regards to getting your, your point across and grabbing the reader's attention. How important do you think it is being able to write as, a, as an online coach or as, I guess, a fitness personality, I, I suppose? Uh, well, first of all, thanks for the compliment. <laughs> That's really kind. Um, I would say that I think writing is a really, really useful skill to have because it's often the way you make a first impression, whether that's a Facebook page, whether it's your website, whether it's a flyer that you do for people or you know, a specific ad or whatever. So written communication is pretty important. And again, if you're not interesting and engaging and if you can't have some sort of headline or hook that draws people in, then it doesn't really matter how good you are and how qualified you are. It's not really going to grab people's attention and speak to them. Yep. Um but at the same time, I'd say that you don't need to be brilliant at writing. You know, some awesome coaches out there do most of their marketing and advertising and put their thoughts down by way of video. So I'd always say to people that if writing's not your forte, then find some way that you can get it across, whether that is like a podcast, whether it's a YouTube channel. Yep. But certainly with writing, I think, yeah, I would say that everyone, every trainer, sorry, should <coughs> take time to have a go at it, try and get better at it, you know, hire a writing coach. That's what I've done that's been partly for, you know, helping in other areas as well. But get someone to look over whatever you write, read your blogs, look at your page, look at your website, whatever, just because, again, a lot of people, that's going to be their first impression of you. And so you need to make it stick. And probably 99 times out of 100, writing is the best way to do that. Awesome, awesome. Now, taking, I guess, a step back now to the online coaching side of things, another post that uh, I think I only saw this one today that you put up on your Facebook and you were mentioning about how a lot of, I guess, your systems or the way you structure your, your online coaching or your Facebook posts and your blogs and stuff is you keep it very simple. Uh, I guess a lot of us get caught up in all the new technology and um different systems and trying to find ways that are automated and all, all that type of stuff. What have, have you found? So I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is with all your online coaching and, and whatever it may be, do you find the best way is just, just to keep it simple and not to try and overcomplicate things? For me, definitely. I think, I think what I've found is that I'm pretty bad at technology so that's my biggest stumbling block and so for me if someone said you know to do your online coaching properly you have to have google documents set up you have to use this system you have to get every client to track like this and check whatever that would really really freak me out and that yeah. would stop me doing stuff and it's probably a good job that i got into the way that i did and starting out with um being coached by lane because he was very simple it was program sent you on an excel spreadsheet yep um, diet plan sent you on a Word document and then you just checked in via email or filled in like a Word template and sent it every week. And so that's pretty much what I do with my own clients. Yeah, a few tweaks here and there. Yeah. But I think some coaches can probably you know, use uh, like the fact they use slightly advanced systems as more of a benefit to people. So 
some guys, some target markets will be really into technology. They'll like to have everything logged and tracked perfectly. Yeah. They'll be attracted by the fact they've got some sort of system they can log into every day and use. Um, and I think that's probably more the like the coaches who specialize in strength programming and stuff because obviously it is a bit more science and a bit involved. But for a lot of people, I think it's a big stumbling block. And certainly for me as a client, if a coach said, look, you've got to log into this thing every day, put down all this information, this data, you've got to record your workouts in this spreadsheet that I can see and we'll edit it and you know, it works out volume on a calculation or whatever, that would freak me out and I'd just get pissed off having to do all of that. Yeah, for sure. And the big thing for me is that clients buy into you as a person and they buy into results. There aren't many people who, if you got the point across that you would deliver them the results they wanted and they resonated with you and your message and liked you, if they kind of yeah fell in line with both of those, it'd be very, very, very unlikely that if they said to you, okay, final question, what do you do to keep track of all my data? And you start keeping it in Word and Excel, they go, oh, well, I'm not working with you then. You know, it's not going to be like a, a point for anyone that says, you know, I like everything else you do, but that's like the, that's, yeah, means I'm not going to work with you. Yeah, it's a really good point. And as your time spent as an online coach so far, has have you found, uh, I guess, what are the barriers that you've, been faced with and how have you kind of worked around it whether it's with the client themselves or whether it's with um, facing different challenges with different types of uh, body types or or training structures or lifestyles and stuff what are the, some of the barriers that you've faced I guess not having face-to-face time with people is probably the biggest one because I find that with one-on-one clients you build a rapport you have fun every session and they're always kind of very open and honest with you um or most of the time and if they've got an issue it's you know usually sorted out very very quickly yeah uh, obviously in terms of training you can kind of look at their form as well and and see how they're doing you can make adjustments if they're not doing something perfectly whereas with online stuff you have to be a lot more on the ball about it you can't just assume that everyone's doing stuff right so with things like form if someone says oh, i'm not 100 percent sure about this you'll often have to get them to send you a form video yeah. Or the other thing I'd say is a good thing to do is actually just when you start, get them to send you a video of them performing a squat, a deadlift, a lunge, some sort of press, some sort of row movement, just so you know their general strengths and weaknesses and yeah. potentially you can give some formal advice as well. Or going a step further, it could be if you refer them out to an in-person trainer that you know in their area. I think that's another good thing to do. A lot of guys would potentially be scared of doing this in case the trainer you know, quote unquote stole the client but to me if you're confident in what you're doing that shouldn't be an issue and then in terms of like the um adherence side of things i know i probably sounded a second ago like i said our online coaches like sorry online clients lie to you which isn't the case at all but i do think you need to often ask a lot more questions because it's difficult for a client sometimes to get across in their email you know exactly how they've done um you can often talk to them they might have had a bad day and so they almost downplay how well they've done. You know, their whole week might be pretty good up until that date. And then in their update, they say, oh, I've had a really bad week, which it in reality hasn't been. Or they tend to say, yeah, it's gone really, really, really well. And in actual fact, just the last two days have been pretty good. And before that's been like a complete shitstorm of blowing macros and skipping training and stuff. So asking more questions is always good. And sometimes getting on a Skype call as well. I mean, I have a one of my online coaching packages includes Skype calls in it, so we schedule those in pretty regularly. 
But if I'm having kind of difficulty maybe relaying to a client what I want them to do or I'm not understanding 100% what they're telling me, then we might just say, you know, let's hop on Skype for five minutes, have a chat and sort it out. So I think asking more questions and, you know, sort of always trying to dig deeper is probably more important with online coaching than it is with one-on-one. Yeah, I definitely agree. And and the Skype call... Um, yeah, I agree. It can be extremely effective, even even if it's to get exactly the same point across. Just having that visual contact, I think, helps the client a lot of the time. Yeah, definitely. I think just elaborating on that as well. Sometimes I'll find that I'll write out an email response, and in my head, it sounds you know quite friendly and chatty. And before I send it, I'll read it and think I sound like a real hard ass with that, and I sound like I'm being. <laughs> a dictator and really authoritarian and telling them off not hitting their macros which yeah. in my head I've not said that at all and yeah. so I'd have to go back and reword it or I think look you know it's actually probably better if I just record like a 30 second video saying good week you know here's what we can maybe do slightly better but on the whole really pleased with how you're getting on just make those changes and you'll be fine and that works a lot better and it's good for keeping a, a good bond and kind of forming the relationship yeah as it, well. can, it can make all the difference now, passive income for PTs, this is something that you're looking at kind of expanding on in regards to helping others out with this uh, in the near future, but it's something that you've been doing for a while. So did you want to tell uh, the listeners about how you kind of got into earning passive income and what streams of passive income uh, that you've kind of got into? Yeah, well, it actually started weirdly when I got fired. <laughs> I'd, like I mentioned earlier, I was working for Livestrong and actually I had a disagreement, shall we say, with one of the editors over how I used a reference um, and so kind of got the boot really and that was on a, I remember actually, it was on a Wednesday afternoon. Um, I was just sitting at home and got the email through and thought, crap, that's kind <laughs> of almost half of my income gone because I was writing quite a lot for them at the time okay. um, or sort of about third to a half and I thought I've got to find some way to replace this. Yeah. And I've had an ebook kind of in the works for a bit. It had been a, initially was a free download that was only kind of 10 to 12 pages long, and I sort of expanded it to be about 70, 80 pages. And so I said to the guys who did my website at the time, what would it take to turn this into an ebook and to maybe make it like a, a low cost product? And they said, well, it'd be quite easy. So I sat down that afternoon, and I think that afternoon and the next day, completely finished it, sent it off, had it edited and designed got it back, um, set up everything, or got web guys to do it. It's not particularly complicated, but again, they say tech is my stumbling block, so I got them to do it all. Yep. Um, and I think it was actually ready to sell within about a week, so it was really, really quick. It's a quick turnaround, yeah. Yeah, and I had an email list at the time, probably only about 1,500 people, but I released it, and it sold about 80-odd copies in the first day, which I couldn't believe, to be honest. It was you know, $20, so... So twelve pounds over here in the UK, um, yeah. So about eighty copies to quite a small email list you with virtually no build up. You know, at the time I didn't know anything about launch sequences, about funnels, about upsells, or about any of that at all. Didn't even really know about copywriting. Yeah, uh, but it's fortunate enough to have a local copywriter offer to write the sales page for me, and he did a really good job on it. So that converted really well. And then from there, I just thought, you know, this is something that. For me, it's not something that I ever wanted or would ever set out as you know the only thing that I did and to you know, make millions or whatever like some people do with huge selling ClickBank products or whatever, but I thought there's definitely an avenue here 
and it could be good. And so carried on promoting it, you know, just an email list and Facebook and whatever, and having it on the site. And the ebook kept on selling. Really, I think it's done a couple of thousand copies, um, or about four thousand, I think, for the last two years now. So that's yeah, awesome. Done pretty well for say, considering it was set up all as a result of getting fired. Um, <laughs> but yeah, Plenty since I did guys. another. Yeah, it's um, just one of those opportunities, I guess, that you never really think of. Um, but yeah, since then, I've had another ebook that's kind of similar. Did it as like um, sort of a two week fat blast before Christmas, which sounds incredibly cheesy and gimmicky, but I promise you it was based upon flexible dieting principles and strength training and stuff. So yeah, I had that, and that's a good one. And yeah, every kind of every festive season, I can promote that as well. Yep. Um, also had a joint collaboration with a guy called Jason Maxwell. We released the DUP method, which was probably the biggest one I did in terms of how in-depth it was because we had videos to go with it. We got affiliates on board, everything like that. So that was cool. That was about this time last year. Again, that's still we set up some low-cost Facebook ads to promote that, and that still runs really well. We both promote it through our autoresponder sequences too. So again, sort of sells probably almost every day we do a copy of that which is quite cool i think i might um, have uh, i think i might have put some money in your pocket for that one. Oh, thank you very much man. <laughs> much appreciated um uh, so yeah we just had that and obviously you know passive products i wouldn't say they would die out but you know you almost saturate your market with them and you can bring new people in and they keep buying but for me it's never been about kind of flogging a dead horse and just keep pushing the same things over and over again it's good to have them always running for new people who might want them but at the same time, I think you've always got to be creating stuff. So a couple more bits in the pipeline again. And I suppose my goal is eventually to get up to you know eight or nine passive products. And I'm at three at the moment. So yeah, it's sort of slow and steady. It's not like a get-rich-quick scheme. But I just think it's nice to have a bit of extra money that's almost guaranteed to come in in case for any reason you can't work or you want to take an extended time off. And it's just nice to have that coming in. You put the hard work in to start, and then after that, it's just a case of setting some things up, and it just keeps on going. Yeah, that's awesome. And recently, we, we were discussing this before we started the podcast. You've just done your, your was it your first seminar, uh, webinar last week? Um, I did a few last year, actually. did a few on starting out an online coaching business. Um, but yeah, this is certainly the biggest one I've done in terms of number of attendees. So yeah, that was cool. And what was that on? Uh, it was on, well, the title of it was How Personal Trainers Can Earn 300 600 pounds a Month Extra From Writing. So that's pretty much how I started off. I mean, albeit at the start, it was like the Livestrong stuff that was earning me money. But yeah. to me, there's a number of ways that any PT can earn some extra money from writing. And that's in the form of either getting some paid work. So a lot of the guys on the webinar actually had a look at some of the software Quotes I suggested and kind of you know, were told, well, pitch to us, what's your fee? Or just offered a flat fee. Um, there's some really good places that do pay quite well for it. Um, you've also got, obviously, passive income creation, which isn't guaranteed money. But if you do it right, it can be pretty lucrative. Uh, things like guest blogging as well, or even ghostwriting for other people, um, which yeah. is one that's a bit undiscovered, I suppose. There are a lot of people in the fitness industry who are really really busy have a massive following and would actually quite like people to write for them so yeah. that's something that i ran through kind of how you can go about it how you can pitch yourself how you can you know, demonstrate the i suppose the power that potentially having a a really 
well-written blog could bring other people. Um, and yeah, it's basically just the fact that I think that amount of money, so 300, 600 pounds a month, which is, I don't know, what, 500 to 800 US dollars or so, um, is actually probably pretty achievable. Um, yeah, not easy. You do have to actually work for it, but it's just nice to have it as something a bit extra, really. 100%. Now, the last question before we finish up. If you had three tips, three tips for someone wanting to grow their email list, what would they be? I would say first one is most important. It's not something that's going to directly add masses of followers, but it's be consistent in your message and have a strong story. Because if you haven't got that, then anything else you do is by the by, really. It's not going to matter too much. Yeah. Second one would be to email regularly so that doesn't mean having to email every day but you should find some sort of schedule that you can stick to and be consistent with it so for me that's probably now two to four emails a week any less than two and I'm really not happy any more than four and I now kind of feel that I'm probably bombarding people a bit too much I used to be a fan of daily email and then felt I was just writing for the sake of it so for me it's two to four probably hitting three is a sweet spot and my third one would be have some sort of good uh, lead magnet, which is the fancy way of saying something to get people's email addresses. So whether that's a free download, whether it's a private video, but it needs to be something that actually delivers value. I think a lot of people set it up and just think, oh, I'll, I'll do something a bit crappy and just try and get names on my list, which is fine. But if people sign up to your list, if they've not actually got anything of value from it with the first thing they took from you, then they're in a bad frame of mind to begin with. Yeah. So I'd say make your, you know, whatever your lead magnet is, make it amazing and make it so good that people want to hear more from you and can't wait to open up your emails. Yeah, give them a reason to stay on the list. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, Mike. Um, guys, I'll put all of Mike's social links in the um, the notes for this episode. Also, I'll put his website in the in the notes as well. Is there any anything else you want to say before we finish up, Mike? Um, not really, mate. Just if anyone wants any help with this kind of stuff, then I'm always happy to chat, really. So just add me on Facebook or, yeah, it's probably the easiest way to do it. But, yeah, thanks for having me, mate. No worries, mate. Hopefully we speak again sometime in the future. Sounds good. Awesome. Thanks, Mike.